Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. I'm glad you've joined me. Today is Friday, February 1st. It's Meet My Friend Friday. And I've got a brand new friend to introduce you today. Her name is Kendra Fletcher. And we're going to spend some time today digging into the topic on legalism. It's going to be a great one. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. So you guys, I appreciate you coming out. Last week, we had a fantastic turnout at the Heidi St. John Conference in Coos Bay, Oregon. One of the things I love about traveling and speaking is just that I get to see what happens when we allow Jesus to become the Lord of our life. And uh, it's it really does change you. The theme for this year's conference is Miracle Worker, the Life-Changing Power of Following Jesus. And the reason I decided to go that way with the theme this year is because so often we rely on other things. We can rely on politics. We can rely on our pastor. We can rely on homeschooling. But Jesus said that he wants us to rely on him. In the Psalms, we read, some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots, but we, the children of God, trust in the name of the Lord. And my friend Kendra understands exactly what that means. Kendra is a mother of eight. She's a speaker and an author and a podcaster. She's also a friend of mine, which I noticed didn't make it into her bio, but I'll forgive her. Uh, (laughs) She's the author of Lost and Found, Losing Religion, Finding Grace, and Leaving Legalism. Kendra, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Heidi. I need to amend my bio, apparently. I know, clearly. Well, I, I wasn't going to be offended, but I thought in this age of being offended, right? I could choose Good. to be offended about that. So That's I'm not funny. offended, though. Yes. We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be fine. You live in California. I do. I live in the state nobody wants to live in anymore. It's really true. It's kind it. of sad. Yeah, <laughs> well, people say that about me because I live in the Pacific Northwest and and people say, oh, my goodness, you know. But you know what? God gives you the grace to live where you live, and he gives you a heart for the people that are there, and I'm assuming that's your story. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've, I watch people go all over the world, and I think, gosh, we've just got all of that right here, right here in the middle right. of California. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I love it. You and I have known each other for a long time. You have been in the homeschool movement for a long time as well. Yes. And you and your husband, Fletch, have been married for 27 years. You've got uh, eight kids that range from 25 down to 10 and a grandbaby on the way, which I just have to tell you is the best gig on the planet. You will love oh, it. Right on. So excited. You will love it. Our little guys turn, well, Noah is five now and Wesley is three. And it's just, um, I'm watching, I think what I really love is watching my daughter training them in righteousness. That's what I really love. It's just like, wow, that's the no greater joy kind of joy. I think it comes when you're watching the next generation uh, do what you've been training them to do. I always tell parents, listen, you're raising uh, parents for your grandchildren right now. Just wrap your head around that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. It's no small thing. All right, Kendra, let's, let's jump into this. You You've been talking, you and I have been talking privately about this issue for a long time because uh, legalism, I think it's lessened now quite a bit, but legalism has had a hold, a stranglehold really, on the homeschool movement for probably at least, I would say, 15 years. Uh, And I was a brand new homeschooler right about that the time when legalism was really thriving. So Mm. before we get into the topic of legalism, I kind of like for you to give what what is your definition? Because people, some people are tuning into this right now and they're going, what are they talking about legalism? What even is that? How would you define it? 
Yeah, well, that's a great question because I think uh, I know in in the heyday of being so caught up in all of that for us, we would have said, "Oh, in no way are we legalists." No, no, no. We do not believe that um, our good works and our good deeds and following the law is what um, secures our salvation. It's it's all Jesus. We would have said that, and we would still say that. But the very subtle. Um, legalism that creeps in for so many of us is just simple idolatry. And, and that's the other thing. I, when you ask believers, you know, give us examples of idolatry. Where do people, where are people building idols for themselves in 2019? And people will say, essentially sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? You know, like, oh, the quest for money or power or all of these different things. But none of us thinks homeschooling and none of us thinks church and none of us thinks good behavior because those little, um, those, those things that seem to be such good tools that God has given us as gifts, we don't recognize that we are often putting our hope there. So that would be my definition. My simple definition of legalism is when anytime we put our hope in something other than Jesus Christ for fill in the blank, for our security, for our value, for our worth, for our significance, um, for our sense of identity, for who we are. And if we're honest with ourselves, the reality is we all do this every single day, every single day, mm. I think. Yeah, it's, well, if it's only really this, if, oh, if we could only get on top of this thing or, oh, if we could only, and then I realize that's, it's not the answer. Those are good tools. Those are good gifts God has given, but the answer is always, always Jesus. So Kendra, let me tell you my definition of legalism, and then I want to hear what you think. Are you ready? Yep. I think that legalism is when I take my personal conviction about something that's not solidly proclaimed in scripture. So it could be birth control. It could be alcohol, all the hot button topics, right? It Mm -hmm. could be homeschooling. It could be political party affiliation. Although I I do think the battle lines are getting drawn uh, pretty clear on that one these days, but it could be any of those things that are not, it's not put forth in scripture. So in other words, thus saith the Lord, it's not in there. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's clearly, he's spoken to me about it. You and I are both accidental homeschoolers. So I think we share sort of the similar journey into homeschooling. But let's say that I take that personal conviction. So the Lord has said to Jay and Heidi St. John, I want you to homeschool your children. And then I begin to take some sort of a, uh, it's pride, really. I take some pride in that. God has spoken to me. And all of a sudden, my personal conviction becomes Kendra Fletcher's responsibility because I'm going to take that backpack. I'm going to start wearing around God's conviction on Uh, on my life. uh, And I'm going to put it in a backpack. I'm going to wear it like an accessory. I'm kind of proud of it. And I'm going to take that backpack off over lunch one day when you and I are talking about education. And I put my backpack of personal conviction on you. And the moment my personal conviction becomes your responsibility, I've crossed over into legalism. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. And essentially what you're doing when you do something like that is you're saying, I've put my hope in this thing. I, this homeschooling or this manner of dress or this church that we go to or this theology or, you know, fill in the blank. This is what is going to make God pleased with me. This is what is going to, um, put out godly, wonderful children. This is what is going to, this thing, not the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in our lives, but this thing, this is, this is it. This is where I'm going to put all, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket because the, I, I assume or I believe that this is the thing that is going to 
bring me whatever it is I'm looking for. And there is pride in that because <laughs> all wound up in that is this sense of I, I'm doing this thing. I, I am doing the work. I am, I am right. doing the right thing. And so therefore, this is going to be the outcome. And suddenly, yes, I have become this person that says this thing is the answer, not necessarily the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah, I think that's very true. And we tend to be we tend to be people that like to follow rules. I mean, there we all like to feel secure in whatever it is. Like we want to take care of our children the right way so that they're healthy and they grow up to be healthy and safe and secure. We want them to know the Lord. There are lots of reasons why we are attracted to rules. And there are some rules. God has definitely put rules in place for our protection. I've always told my children, God's God's instructions are there for your protection. And so there are certain things that God says, hey, if you want to live a full and abundant life, here's here's how you do it. Like we could go back, I suppose, to the Ten Commandments and we could get pretty legalistic about don't murder, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, which is a good place to be. That's a good, a good uh, application of legalism. If you want to say, hey, I'm going to keep the letter of the law on this. But there are so many other areas where you're exactly right. We're putting our hope and our trust in something other than Jesus. And I guess my question for you is, why do you think that we are attracted to rules and what is what is the uh, the antidote to that? Hmm. Well, honestly, I think biblically we can say, we can look through all, out all of scripture and see that we are wired this way. We are wired to want the law. Um, and it's just, it's really rather astounding when you think about as far back as the Israelites who were in bondage to, you know, in slavery in Egypt. And, but you think about that story and you realize that they got there because God was giving them a provision in a time of need. So they get to Egypt because there's a famine in the land and God is for, you know, he's taking care of them. You know, for knew this, he puts Joseph in charge there so that their whole family and the whole nation can come and um, reap the benefits of of what Joseph has done in Egypt, but we look at this story and we we often don't realize that they are there four hundred years later, and and it always has begged the question for me why what what are they still doing there <laughs> you know what yeah, is it take about another Egypt? lap around Mount Sinai <laughs> exactly what why are we still here and and then you re- you begin to realize that the the very things that God had provided for them which were storehouses of grain and food and and you know life-giving sustenance this is what they're in bondage to 400 years later they are building the storehouses they are they are slaves who are who are have now become uh, in bondage to the very thing that god gave to them as a gift because they've they've misplaced their hope in what god had given them and and not in god himself and and i just think it's such a great illustration of how often we do this. Our, our hearts want to do this. We want to build the golden calf, even though clearly God has walked us <laughs> through, um, you know, great, great, huge, giant banks of water. God has walked us through all of this. And, and we say, mm, you know what? I, I want to put my hope in, in this thing. We don't say that, but we do this. And I think our hearts are bent as we're just born legalists at the bottom line. And this is why so badly we need Jesus to say, you know what? I, I did all that. I finished it. It's it's done at the cross. Cross took care of it. Um, and and these are the reminders that I have to give myself every single day because I'm just a great little hope shifter. 
Yes. Well, I think we all are kind of hope shifters, right? If you, when you talk about this, I think this is a great segue into, into your story, because I think your story is going to resonate with a whole lot of people who woke up one morning and found themselves in bondage to legalism and not sure Mm. how they went, not sure how they got there. So in the next, you know, 30 seconds or so, show, tell me, walk me really quickly through where you started and how, when you woke up one day and thought, I'm a slave to this thing. How'd that right. look for you? Well, <laughs> it's so insidious. And I mean, Satan just loves to to sneak in there when we're not paying attention. And and it was a good decade for us of really not paying attention and having shifted our hope to all of our good choices. So it was my good parenting and my good homeschooling and my good meal planning and you know, whatever the long list was, all the good things I was doing hoping so much that God would be pleased with what I was offering to him when God was already pleased because of what Jesus had done. Um, And so it took three near tragedies in our life. We nearly lost three children in a span of 18 months. Um, And two of them have permanent ramifications. We have a brain damaged little guy um, and then a daughter who probably won't be able to conceive children because of some situations that occurred and what we weathered. And it was this aha moment of standing over a child in a hospital room um, for the third time in a year and a half and, and God saying, Kendra, you have put your hope in everything but me, everything mm-hmm. but me. And, and so, you know, I never like to say God did these things to us. You know, we, I ran over a child with a 12 passenger van. God did that to me to wake me up. I don't think he did that to me to wake me up, but he certainly used those circumstances to open our eyes to the fact that we were so relying on all of our good choices and all of our good works, even though we would have said, oh, we're not legalists. We believe that it's, you know, grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Uh, but that that wily Satan in his <laughs> sneakiness got in there and, and allowed us to believe that all the good choices we were making and all the good things we were doing were going to produce an outcome uh, based on our good effort. So when you realized that this was happening and you realized, okay, I'm, I'm putting my efforts in things that I'm doing rather than what Christ has already done, what were yes. some, how did that manifest itself in a change in the way that you began moving forward from there? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And, and, you know, I think it's never ending. I think it's one of those things where God just completely begins to peel back layer by layer and it just over the years, I'm like, well, there's another layer. Well, gosh, there's another area of my life where I was just putting my hope in something other than Christ. And so we we had to make some immediate choices. We had to to leave the community we were a part of that was very much um, very much putting their hope in all methods of lifestyle. So you know, homeschooling and and mom staying at home and raising children and and daughters not going to college and all of these things. And, and none of them, which I would say are inherently evil things. They're all very good things. They're, they're good tools in the life of certain people, you know, that God has asked to do those things, but they aren't our hope. And, and, um, that is a community that was just holding tight to those things and really looking down our noses at anybody who wasn't living it out the way we were living it out. Ooh, that actually right there is a really good indicator that you've fallen into legalism. Oh, yes. When you can turn your nose up at people who have made other choices. I want to be really careful because this is this is a tender topic. It because is. Because these things, they are good things. Homeschooling is a good thing. And actually, I have spent, you and I have talked about this for a long time. I've been speaking on the homeschool circuit for a long time. And I would say for the 15 years that I've been speaking to homeschoolers, I've watched the community make a dramatic shift from hardcore legalism 
about all manner of things from everything related to dress to college, to all the things that you that you have talked about. But now I think the tendency is going to be to, to have the pendulum swing the other way. And so I want to I want to kind oh. of in, inject something right into the conversation. And that is to say that uh, the reasons that people are choosing to homeschool are actually good reasons that what we don't want to do is put our hope in it and think that if right. somehow if something happens and we can't homeschool anymore, that all is lost. And that's not trusting the Lord. That then becomes a trust in homeschooling. And I'm always telling parents, look, you can homeschool your kids and they can still walk away from the Lord. You can homeschool your children and they could turn out to be uh, rebellious drug addicts. What we want to do with our children before we homeschool them, before we choose any method of education is point them to Jesus. We want to disciple our children. I am one of those people as, as the culture is spinning more and more and more out of control and into really what can only be described as kind of a moral abyss. At least I certainly see this in, uh, in my traveling. Um, I, we need to be careful. So we want to be wise about the way that we educate our children, but we want to be wise as we listen to the direction of the Lord. And I really think that's what I'm hearing you saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in God's sense of humor, we have this little boy, our 10 year old who um, is about five or six developmentally He's in full-time public school education, special ed, um, which I never, ever, ever thought we would do. Um, and, and let me tell you, the first day I walked him into that public school classroom, I just was like, you know, I thought, what am I doing? This is such a special circumstance for this little boy. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I could tell you all the reasons it's a special circumstance for him and all the reasons why everything I would be concerned about in, a, in that setting um, in a California public school goes right over his head. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, you know, Hallelujah. Which is, I know it's, it's pretty great. Although he's come home with some interesting vocabulary lately. Um, mm-hmm. but he, you know, it, it, it's a circuit, it's a circumstance that I couldn't have foreseen and that I would not have given grace to anybody else to make that choice. Um, uh, the least of which would have been us. I mean, we weren't giving ourselves that kind of grace to make a spirit led decision that is so, you know, different from everything else we thought was going to turn out children who love Jesus. And I would just tell you, I mean, you know this because you see it too. There are children who were homeschooled in the, in the most biblical of settings who have said, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm walking. And there are children who are raised in the worst of public schools who, who God just plucks out and they radically passionately follow the Lord. And, you know, I, I think as a parent, I want to be able to believe that all of my efforts are going to turn out something good. I mean, I want to put the cookie dough ingredients in and come out with chocolate chip cookies, but it just doesn't work that way. There, there is a Holy Spirit involved in my life and in their lives. And so we're trying to make the very best choices we can make for each of our children. That has meant homeschooling for our family. I'm on year 21 of homeschooling people. That makes you that. 764 years old. I just oh, want my you to know goodness. That. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the math on that one. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that old. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I love it. And I love the components of it. And I love that it gives us, you know, all the things we know about homeschooling. I love. I love the time to walk alongside of a child and have great discussions about about God. And we, we did it just this morning before I hopped on here with you. Um, we needed to recalibrate. And so we had a devotional time. And I mean, I love all of that. But that is not our hope. And, and it ceases to be in our home. And, and that has been the greatest gift of all is to watch my children embrace passionately 
a relationship with the Lord. Our second born was 15 when we had to leave that very legalistic um, environment. And he turned to me a few months after we left and he said, you know, mom, I used to sit in church and think if this is Christianity, I want no part of it. And my stomach dropped because I thought, Lord, forgive me for having them in such an environment that communicated to them that Christianity was all about following rules. And then at the same time, I was so thankful because God just did a work in that young man's life. And he loves Christ with a passion um, now as a 23-year-old. And so that's the work of God. That's not because of the choices we made. And certainly it wasn't because of the very uh, rigid environment we had them in. We obviously were missing a communication about a relationship with a living God in that setting. Relationships always trump the rules. I mean, we we see this in in raising our children. We see this in education. We want to be about relationship. Jesus was about relationship. It's about following the Lord for your own life. It's about reading his word. It's about being daily in communication with the Lord. I want to talk really quickly about something you and I talked about before we began recording, which is this idea of a pendulum swing, which I see happening in the culture right now. And I want to address it very clear eyed because I think in our, in our, uh, in our rush to say, not a rush, but in our in our passion to say, hey, legalism will steal the joy, which it really does, mm-hmm. right out of your w- walk with God, it kind of robs us of the ability really to listen for the Holy Spirit and walk in accordance with his with his with his voice in our lives. But then the tendency of most Christians that I have ever met in my life, myself included, is to say, okay, I was in this legalism, I recognize this is wrong, I recognize that I'm putting my hope in something other than the Lord. And then we begin to move the needle, right, away from legalism. And if you picture like a needle on a stereo, you know, I always think of the way that the pendulum sort of moves back toward the middle, which, you know, uh, God's best work, that's also the deepest point, right, uh, on, on that pendulum. Is it right there in the middle? And God's work, the best work that God has ever done in my life has happened in the deep. And I think that that's true of almost every Christian that I've ever had the privilege of speaking to about deep waters that they've walked through. You guys have walked through deep water. We've walked through deep water. God meets you in the deep. But what happens when we're, when we're moving out of legalism so often is we move past that deep water and back to the safer ground on either side of that deep water. Uh, the ground feels safer and shallower, either if you're in legalism or if you swing over and you're in liberty. And, uh, I was just telling, I was just telling you right before we started recording that I can walk you through the, st- the streets of Portland, Oregon or Seattle, Washington, and show you 15 churches right at the top of my, you know, right at the top of our little walk that have swung the pendulum. And now we're, we're steeped in uh, liberty and we've forgotten the high price that God paid for us when he sent his son. And it, and we have forgotten about lordship and we've forgotten about what it means to walk in a way that says, uh, be holy like I am holy. So what do you say to that family who they're recognizing either they're on either end of the spectrum, right? Either in, in legalism, they go, man, I got to get out of this. Or I'm hoping that there's going to be some people listening going, maybe I've swung too far the other way. What do you say to that family? Yeah, I think the illustration of a pendulum is super helpful because um, in at least in the graphic that I always use in speaking and writing, there's Jesus right in the middle. And then on the one side, we swing, we tend to swing toward our religious behavior. And on the other side, we tend to swing toward worldly behavior, you know, fill in the blank, whatever worldly behavior means to you. For some, it's, uh, you know, it would be painting your nails. I don't know, whatever that worldly behavior is coming out of legalism. And then, you know, 
that religious behavior. So what it comes down to, I think, when you're leaving a legalistic environment or you're leaving a legalistic mindset is to say, my focus here is on the, the finished work of Christ at the cross. It is, it's finished. That is what he said. And what he meant was, there is nothing, not a thing I can add to that. And if I swing either direction in the pendulum, if I swing and put my hope in my religious behavior, that is no better than if I swing and put my hope in partying and drinking and smoking and, um, you know, watching whatever I want to watch on television and it just doesn't matter and none of that's going to affect me. Because the truth is, on either end of those pendulum swings is the bondage of the storehouses. <laughs> that's what it is. It's we become in bondage to either all of this licentiousness or we become in bondage to all of our religious behavior. Neither is the answer. The answer is right in that balanced equilibrium where Jesus stands crucified, resurrected, and where he restores us in the middle. And for somebody leaving legalism, that's hard. It's hard to say, how do I calibrate back to the middle um, and not rely on my religious works or my behavior or my church attendance or my homeschooling or whatever those things are? And for somebody who swung so far the other direction and just said, hey, kids, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Take a look at that and say, where am I putting my hope into things that uh, just really aren't the gospel anymore? Um, and what does yeah. it look like to swing back to the middle and ask God yeah. to direct you know, our choices here? And understanding, I think it's an understanding of, of um, God's incredible love for us. His love for us should be motivating us to want to live according to his word. And to be, you know, Charles Spurgeon has a fantastic analogy. And I don't have time to go through the whole thing. But if if listeners, you know, if you just look up a Charles Spurgeon analogy on, on uh, analogy on legalism, it's fantastic. He basically says, you know, if you put um, on one side of the room a gourmet meal from like the best chef in England, and on the other side a pig trough that's filled with pig slop, if a pig <laughs> comes in, even though there's a gourmet meal in front of him, he's going to go to the pig trough. Why? Because he's a pig, right? Right. And he, he and that's what pigs do. And he makes the analogy that if this pig was was supernaturally transformed into a human being, he wouldn't want to eat from the pig trough anymore because he's not a pig. And so he he's talking about the conversion that happens when we head for heaven, we realize that we've asked God to change our desires to his desires. And that's really what it comes down to. Lord, give me your desires so that I can live in a way that says that I love you, that you've changed my life. So it's not about growing in in our um in our obedience to the law, it's about growing in our love for God that says, Father, make me more like you. What does that look like? And uh, and as we mature in our walk with God, and I wish the church was talking about this more, uh, it, it, you, it can't help but change you. And uh, I think that's, I think that's really how we, we keep from going from the legalist mindset to uh, into the center, which is, I think, where the Lord wants us to walk that narrow way that leads to life, right? Yeah, the Bible right. says that few people find it because we're always in one ditch or the other, and the enemy mm -hmm. doesn't care which ditch he knocks us into so long as we're in a right. ditch. So we could be in the ditch so of legalism, true. or we could be in the ditch of liberty, and Satan's having a field day uh, because God is saying, there's a life right here for you. Uh, as you walk with me. And it's just, it's just so powerful. I have one other question for you before we take off. You have a, you had a quote on page 23 of your book, leaving legalism that I loved. And it was when sort of when your eyes are being opened to the fact that you've been living sort of a rule-based life and you asked the question, where was Jesus? And then you answered mm -hmm. your own question saying he was buried under the weight of our incomplete view of him. 
And I thought that was such a beautiful way to look at how we as human beings tend to see Jesus on either side of the pendulum, either side, either liberty or legalism, both are incomplete views of the Lord Jesus. So how do we get a more complete view of Jesus? Well, I think you touched on it because I, I hear over and over again from people who've read the book or, or um, you know, people I dialogue with in real life or on social media. The, the bottom line, I think, for a lot of us, Heidi, is that we, we really cannot grasp the love of God. We struggle to understand how loved we are by Him. And you're right. It just changes everything. It changes everything to be able to say, I don't need that thing that I thought was going to bring me so much joy or satisfaction or, you know, value or or make people think that I'm better than I am or impress people or, you know, whatever our, our felt needs are. I don't need that because I am so secure in the love of God for me and I can live in the overflow of that love of God for me. And that's what my encouragement would be to people is, is to get back to a place where you can ask God, Lord, help me believe you better. Help me to understand how much you love me. Because when he does that work, and he faithfully will, when he opens our eyes to how much he truly loves us, it, you're right, it changes everything. It, it changes our desires. It changes how we live our lives. It changes how we love other people because we're secure in the love of God. That's exactly right. And I love that you that you were talking about um, the resting in the knowledge that God is the one who heals. God's the one yes. who restores. God's the one who allows us to move forward, whether we're stuck in in legalism or we've uh, we've gone from one side of the spectrum to the other side. God is saying in his still small voice, come back to me, come back yes. to me. There's right. joy, there's hope, there's freedom where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And uh, we want to embrace that today. Kendra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a joy to talk to you, to catch up with you. And uh, I just appreciate you being willing to share your story. Oh, Heidi, thanks for having me. I, I love talking about nothing more than the love of God. So thanks for having me. You're very welcome. For more, for more information on Kendra Fletcher and her ministry, I will link back to all things Kendra Fletcher in the show notes today, including links to her book. You can also find her at KendraFletcher.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at TheBusyMom.com.